Welcome everyone to Total Football Club where we speak one universal language. My name is Alex Perez and I am joined as always by Chris Sued. Dude, your team is on. They are through to the Champions League final first off. Congratulations. Second, how do you feel? Yeah, I feel great, man. It feels awesome. It feels awesome. It's the third time I watched them in the Champions League, but it's uh in the Champions League final, but we gotta. We, while we, while we can enjoy it, we can't celebrate just getting there. I know it's a big feat, and everybody keeps telling me that because I, I want to temper the 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 excitement. But it is a, a really great feeling to know. You know, this is the transition. We're not even the finished product yet, and look how deep we're we're going in this thing. It's awesome. It's a great great moment for every Chelsea fan. And that's the crazy part. This is still a part of the transition. This is part of the process. This isn't even the finished product, as you said. So the best is yet to come. That's that's insane. That is crazy. Of course, we're going to talk about Chelsea. We're going to talk about the Champions League semifinals. That's why we delayed the recording this week. We're going to talk about Harry Kane and his new team. He might be on the move very, very soon. And we have a new segment coming up. At the end of this show, we're going to talk about Jose Mourinho in a segment we like to call Stoppage Time. So, it's it's appropriate because it's going to be at the end of the show. But let's talk about the Champions League semifinals. We have we broke this down into three different categories. Three, yeah, three Spurs. Yeah, okay, it's it's three. I had to count before I I should have probably counted before I said it. And we broke it down into three categories. It's the surprise, what we hated, and what we loved. I want to start off with the surprise, and I want to hear your surprise, Chris, because I they, they might be a little different, but I want to see what surprised you the most about these Champions League semifinals. Yeah, it, it was actually, this was something I thought about, and what surprised me, and it was a good surprise, is that VAR didn't ruin it. On either side. Like, honestly, if you really think about it, before the pandemic happened, all the talk was about how VAR was ruining the game, how every match had something where there was just an uh, offside that shouldn't have been or or just a blown call where they didn't use VAR, right? And it, honestly, it just went fine. It was two, it was two legs that, that, that was went smooth. There was no controversy, really. And that was a really big surprise. Usually in Champions League, there's always like a big penalty. And, and you think about it, PSG really needed the away goals. Real Madrid really needed the away goals. I thought somebody for sure was going to try to use, use, you know, use that sneaky tactic to get a penalty. And no, it, just, it was very clean. It was a very clean two legs on, on both sides, on the, on the PSG Man City and on the Chelsea Real Madrid. It's always good when the referee isn't the protagonist of the game. Uh, that's always a a good sign. And I, I didn't even think about that. I didn't even think about VAR not ruining the game and that being a surprise, which it is a huge surprise because you watch any 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 game in the Premier League any any given weekend and you see VAR sticking their noses maybe where it doesn't belong and completely ruining the game. Is there anything else you want to add to the to your surprise? Uh, I would say Man City's defense. That would be the, the one. The, if, you're, if we're going to talk about play, man, they, they really they really shut me up. I, I thought they they were they were leaky, and I thought that there was uh, that their defense was going to be something that 
might have exposed them to a team that that uses counterattacking like PSG does. And Ruben Diaz and John Stones, man, they're they're the business. Man City is for real, and they're probably the favorites going into that final. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I agree with you on that. And I think they shut both of us up because we, we sang PSG's praises before the games and they proved us wrong in a bad way. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much how, how it went for PSG and for Man City. My surprise, uh, my surprise was Chelsea's poise in this stage of such an important competition. Why do I say that? I say that because this is a very, very young team. And Thomas Tuchel, yeah, he played a Champions League final or he managed a Champions League final last season. But he's not Pep Guardiola, Zinedine Zidane when it comes to experience. And I want to offer you guys this. If you watched both legs of these uh, of the semifinal tie, you watch Chelsea Real Madrid with no context on the history of these clubs, you would think that Chelsea's the team that has won the 13 Champions Leagues. You would think that Chelsea was the team that has won the three consecutive Champions Leagues because they just it felt like they belonged there. And I was surprised in such a good way by Chelsea because I thought I thought that youth was going to play a factor in a negative way for Chelsea, and it didn't. Thomas Tuchel, all the praise in the world for him, and I'm, I don't want to talk too much about Chelsea right now because I know you're going to talk about them and you're, you're probably going to analyze them better than I can. Thomas Tuchel said, right, our midfield is more dynamic. We have a healthier squad. And we have a very young front three. Let's go get this. And they did. They pressed. They had the ball. They created a lot of chances. They made Real Madrid very uncomfortable in the back. That midfield was very static. And Golo Kante was running circles around Casemiro, Kroos, Modric. Jorginho as well was tracking Modric his every step. He was tracking every single step that Luka Modric was taking. So that to me was incredibly surprising how fearless and how poised this Chelsea team was. And they beat the crap out of Real Madrid. I'm, but what, something else that did surprise me was that Chelsea missed so much and Real Madrid didn't make them pay. Because usually when a team misses a lot of chances against Real Madrid, Real Madrid's going to make you pay. Just like any other big team will. But Chelsea, man... Chelsea got away with, with some, but the goals that they scored, the the build-up to those goals were incredible, and I am just so, so surprised and very happy that I'm surprised with the poise and the elegance that Chelsea showed, the determination. Everything about these two legs for Chelsea worked out incredibly well. I, I'm, I'm gladly surprised by, by Chelsea, and they're through to the final, man. They're through to the final. Very well deserved. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, they uh they played their, their butts off out there, man. They played their socks off and and it showed. I'm happy, I'm happy to hear it from someone who's not biased because it's it's uh it's really a, a beautiful thing what's going on out there. Uh Jorginho sh- is shutting all up all the haters. Mason Mount is shutting up all the haters. It's a beautiful thing. It's Oh, the whole team is is really performing, and and they beat Real Madrid over two legs, man. Over in the European semifinal, it's it's crazy to think, but they're there. 
that's where Tushul got him that quickly. And it's, it's an insane thing to think about. Like, if this is it, where the sky is the limit, if this is where they're at in a transition, the sky is the limit. Absolutely. And they didn't just beat Real Madrid. They earned their victory against Real Madrid. They deserved yeah. to beat Real Madrid. That is something that has to be said because they didn't just beat Real Madrid in a flukish way. They beat them systematically they beat him yeah, like thoroughly yeah, thoroughly there was no question at the end of the game well the only question to me at the end of the game was why didn't Chelsea score two more they should have probably yeah. won like four nothing because they they had a lot of chances they had a whole bunch uh, a whole bunch of chances and you would expect it from a team that has Mason Mount pulling the strings what a player that dude is just incredible his 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 change of pace that final pass that he just where, where he threads the defense it's it's a beauty to watch and i know timo werner gets a lot of hate for missing sitters but the, he gets hate from people that just follow the ball you need to see what timo werner does off the ball he misses so many sitters because he's in the ex exact position that he's supposed to be he generates space for himself he he makes those sometimes he makes a dummy run and he finds space where he's not supposed to he's He's a very, very good player off the ball, too. That's something that we absolutely have to look at. And he scored. He scored a goal. He scored the one that opened everything up. So, Timo Werner, he might get a lot of hate, but we should start praising him because he's not just a guy that will score. He will create spaces for his teammates, for himself. He will give that final pass. This this Chelsea team, man, very, very surprised by, by how good they became in a matter of a few months. Yeah, they're solid. I mean, we're solid, man. We we got the defense very compact. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, Werner's making the runs, like you said, and and Kai's playing well. Christian Pulisic is playing well. Mm -hmm. So if everybody and and Tuchel, I feel like he knows his players. You can Pulisic, you can tell was frustrated after the game he didn't start, mm -hmm. and he was on a yellow. And you can tell Tuchel if if, if Tuchel knows the type of player Pulisic is. He knew a pissed off Pulisic coming on in the 60th minute with 30 minutes to run rampant. Oh man, he knew he was gonna he was gonna make a difference. So it's really a manager knowing what he has at his disposal and using them correctly. And they're they're really playing well. It's 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 I mean, we got a chance. We got a chance against Manchester City, and that's a big compliment because right now Manchester City is the best team in the world. Everybody's calling them that and they earn that. But yeah. Chelsea has a chance in a one-legged it's one game, anything goes. If we, we're compact like we have been and we make them pay when we need to, why not? Why yeah. not? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. It makes absolutely perfect sense. 90 minutes, 120 minutes, even if they go to a penalty shootout, anything can happen. It is the Champions League final after all. Um, let's move on to what we hated. Chris, what did you hate the most about these Champions League semifinals? Uh, what did I hate the most? Honestly, or, or what did you dislike the most? Maybe hate is a bit of a strong word, but, you know, we got to get people to listen. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would say that it showed me that Real Madrid aren't where they used to be. It was kind of like a, a real uh, a real telling moment because Real Madrid, the last couple of years, has really been the standard. And... Chelsea dismantling them the way they did. It, 
it just uh, it, it goes to show it not, nothing is forever. Luka Modric is 36 years old. Sergio Ramos is is I'm not sure his his specific age, but he's getting up there as Same well. Same age as Modric, about. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of they're they're in transition as well, and not in the same way that Chelsea is. And it's I I, I don't have any ill will against Real Madrid. Like they, I, they, they. We don't really have a rivalry in Europe. This is the first time that we face each other in a in a in a meaningful mm-hmm. cup, in a meaningful game, uh, in a meaningful tie. And it's just, uh, it's sad to see. I, you can tell why they wanted the, the European Super League. They, they, they feel like they're not, uh, they're not doing, they're not getting the the, the money that they're owed from these cha- these Champions League, uh, the, the runs that they had. But they've also not invested in the right way and. I mean, it, it goes to show, like, it, it, you have to pay for that, like everybody else does. And when I say they don't invest in the right way, it's not that the players that they're getting are bad players. They just don't fit Real Madrid. Like, Eden Hazard is, is not a Eden Hazard is not a bad player. Vinicius, Rodrigo, these guys aren't bad players. They all have really good quality. But they're just not fitting what Real Madrid need. And they need scoring wingers, man. They need creativity. And they're just not getting it. And it's a sad thing to see. Because Real Madrid is one of those giants, one of those institutions that everybody, that the game of football needs to be running well. Just like Barcelona. I feel like Barcelona's telling moment was like last year with the Bayern Munich, you know, debacle. And maybe this time with Madrid, it wasn't as bad, but it's just, it wasn't as bad because Chelsea didn't make them pay, honestly, because they really could have. Absolutely. And to add a little bit to what you were saying about Real Madrid, they need a lot of depth in their squad too because yeah you can talk about their injuries they do have a lot of injuries the injury bug hit them at a wrong time in the season not that there's ever a right time but in the final stretch you don't you you want to have as many players available as possible and Real Madrid didn't have them so when you have guys like Toni Kroos and Luka Modric world-class midfielders some of the best midfielders of all time but let's be honest the game maybe has surpassed them a little bit. They're not in their prime anymore. I, I know Luka Modric isn't anymore. He, he's not in his prime. The, the year after he, he won the Ballon d'Or, everyone was talking about Real Madrid should sell him. He's, he's a shell of himself. And it's only been six months. So he got back into form a little bit, but his form kind of dipped. So who knows? Maybe, maybe it, it might be time to let go of, of guys like Modric, like Kroos, Maybe keep Casemiro, give Fede Valverde a bit of a chance and let him play more in the starting 11. Maybe guys like Sergio Ramos should be on their way out too, which he only has a few more games in his contract left. So who knows? He, he could really be on his way out. And like you said, they need scoring wingers. And Eden Hazard, he, he might not be it. He's a great creative player. He's an excellent creative player, but he's not that goal scorer. And also, let's be honest as well. How do you replace Cristiano Ronaldo? How do you replace a guy that scored hundreds of goals for you? The guy that is the top goal scorer of of that club's history. How do you replace him? You don't. You don't replace him. You you try to build different different pieces or you try to bring in different pieces, but you don't replace that those types of players. Same with Barcelona. You're not going to replace Lionel Messi. You're going to bring a lot of different pieces to try to make up for that one large piece that is missing so Real Madrid they need some depth they need new midfielders 
maybe more dynamic because Chelsea exposed them completely. And they need that goal scorer. Karim Benzema, he's he's a very, very, very good player. But he's also in in maybe the wrong side of, of 30. I, I don't know exactly what his age is, but I'm sure he's about Cristiano Ronaldo's age. Most of their team is in the is in the early 30s, early to mid 30s, and it's like you gotta you need some youth in there, but not youth that's that's coming straight from a, a, a lower. I mean, I know it's a every most most leagues are a step up to La Liga, but you got to get some proven youth in there. Like, yeah, Vinicius has got to go alone, and then the reason he hasn't gone alone is because they've been hurt for a long time. Yeah, and you know they 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 really like I said they really need like proven youth. Like it's a it's a shame. Um, I don't know if you watched the video where our game today, but Chiquizi uh, left the bit, game yeah. hurt. Mm-hmm. And he he's like an example. Like he's someone who's been playing in La Liga, who's has has experience scoring a lot of goals and getting a lot of assists. And that's what they need. They need proven, fast, direct players who can score and create. And they don't they don't have it right now. Vinicius, don't get me wrong. Vinicius or Rodrigo are those. I'm not saying that these are players who, who are not good players. We're not great players who don't deserve to be at Real Madrid. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that for what they need right now, they're not they're not providing that. And that's not their fault. They're they're 20, 21 years old. They're young players. So it's it's a lot to ask of them to to deliver consistently when Real Madrid are consistently on the big stage. But yeah, I really feel like they need uh they need some injection in there. I don't know if they need they, they, where did, where they're gonna get it from. I don't know. I'm not I'm not trying to play you know, um, like a transfer, uh, uh, <laughs> merry-go-round, but yeah, they 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 really uh, they really need some 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 new blood in there. Absolutely, absolutely. When when it comes to Real Madrid and you have all the limelight uh, shining upon you, you you're always gonna have that attention and you're always gonna need to respond. Um, the thing that I dislike the most about these Champions League semifinals was PSG's attitude. And we sang their praises and we, we, we talked about how good of a matchup this was for them. But obviously it didn't work out. We know what happened. Manchester City advanced. PSG didn't. But I just hate that sore loser mentality that most of these PSG players have. And what I'm referring to is the way that they were tackling Manchester City's players uh, the way that they were complaining to the referee, there's this the, this one thing that I that I read and that I heard. They were, I think it was Marco Berratti and Ander Herrera. They were complaining to the referee, Doran Kuypers, the, the Dutch referee. I thought he did a great job. Kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier and, and your surprise. He was doing a good job. I thought that he was calling the game very fair. And apparently these two, Berratti and Herrera, said that. He told them, the referee told them to fuck off. Which, yeah, maybe he shouldn't be talking to them in that way, but we're playing a Champions League semifinal here. That's your biggest complaint? Like, really? You're mad that the ref told you to go fuck off? What? It shows me that maybe their head isn't necessarily in the game. Um, and then, of course... You saw what Di Maria did. He he's he insulted Fernandinho, and we heard that in the broadcast. And if you speak Spanish, I think you picked it up quite well. Um, or even, there's even some videos too, uh, where 
the audio was a little more clear if you didn't pick it up in the broadcast. And then he stomped on Fernandinho as well. Idrissa Ganagé, he got um he got sent off in the first leg. So once you get sent off and you leave your team with 10 men, you're putting him at, at a disadvantage and and there was just no commanding voice either to to tell the players to relax, to calm down. You know who would have who would have been an excellent commanding voice for this team? Guy that's playing in your Chelsea right now, Diego Silva. He would have he would have relaxed this entire team. He would have told them, guys, listen, we might be losing, but there's still hope. Let's keep on playing. Don't lose our cool. Let's just be focused on the task at hand. No one said that. We didn't hear it from the bench. Even Mauricio Pochettino, when when there was certain calls, he was jumping onto the field. He was jumping onto the pitch and talking to the referee. That should be a sending off. I think that's a red card, if I'm not mistaken, or at least a yellow. But if the example doesn't come from the bench, then the players are gonna just run wild. Same thing. If if you're a parent and you don't you don't give your child a good example, then your child's gonna do the same exact thing. Um, but talking a little bit more about the X's and O's and what we actually saw in the game. I think that PSG dropped their lines back way too early in the first leg. That's something that really, really disappointed me and something that I really disliked because I, I thought that maybe if they pushed the pace a little more, a little longer, not necessarily for the whole 90 minutes in the first leg, but maybe up until the 60th minute, maybe 70th minute, and who knows? Maybe they would have gotten another, another goal. And we're talking about a 2-0 lead at the 60th minute? in Paris, then you can start closing down those spaces and dropping back and making it much harder for Manchester City. But the, the, that entire attitude by PSG, they, they, they're they almost, I don't, I don't know, they're, they're, they're very, they're, they're spoiled. Let's just put it that way. They're spoiled. If they, if they win, they mock their opponents. If they lose, they cry. They, they throw their arms up in the air. They're mad. So that, that attitude by PSG disappointed me, and I really, really disliked it. And in a part of me is glad that PSG didn't advance. Um, then that little part of me is a little, a little upset because I was very, very wrong in my prediction. But yeah, PSG's attitude was just not good, and and it wasn't up to par with with the level of game that they were that they were playing in. Yeah, I. I, I... Agree to that. They, you can see PSG. They don't really lose too much in their league, and when they do, they they act just like that. Every time they lose, they always have somebody sent sent off or something like that. They always got pissing matches with the refs. It's like they don't know how to. They don't know they. They're front runners. They don't know how to take losing. So, mm-hmm. and yeah, I don't mind being proven wrong at all. So, and especially when they act like that, so they could go home. Absolutely, absolutely. All right. I think I know what you're going to say for this next one. What what we loved or what what you loved. Take it away. The floor is yours. <laughs> I didn't expect this. Yeah, the, what I loved, man. Yeah. They proved me right, man. They they did it. Chelsea. That's what I loved right there. They did it. They they had an infusion of youth and experience. Thiago Silva and Jorginho were monsters out there. They they carried out the plan beautifully. We did it. We we Golo Kante was dude. He was he he was back to Leicester. Leicester form it was ridiculous. 
I thought. Did you see that that pass when he when he, when he, I mean, well, not that pass, that shot when he ran with Havertz the whole the freaking length of the field and uh, ran past like two Real Madrid players to get there it was ridiculous. It was nuts. It it shows how dynamic Chelsea's midfield is compared to Real Madrid's, and when you have a guy like N'Golo Kante, you have a big advantage. Yeah, and we could have put like I know you said this earlier, but we could have put four or five past them because the finishing's there. That's the story of these years that we're creating a bunch and not putting it to the sword, and that's why they want a number nine in the summer. But oh my God, it was just a culmination of the whole Tusha era there that last that second leg because Christian Pulisic coming on, changing the game, passing it to Mason Mount in the closing stages. Thiago Silva and, and Antonio Rudiger, someone who was a castaway during the Frank Lampard days, with uh, Aspilicueta and Ben Chilwell, the new signing, clean sheet. Oh my God! It was just, it was just such a proud moment to be a Chelsea fan because we really beat the socks off Real Madrid. And something I will say, oh, I forgot. This is something I said I definitely forgot from the one thing I did hate from not having this was the fans not being in mm-hmm. the stadium. Because, yeah. dude, if, if Stanford Bridge was packed, holy shit, that place would have been jumping. Like, are you serious? If Mason Mount scored in the 84th minute to a packed house, forget it. That place would have been going nuts. Like, the fans would have been running on the field. So, man, that that's – if I could take that back, I answer what I, whatever the hell I said, but – yeah, man. What I loved was my team is coming together. We're here. We're in the Champions League final. And we're definitely underdogs, but ain't nobody can tell us anything now. Not necessarily huge underdogs, I'll tell you that. It's 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 very even. It's a no, very, very even. I want to be underdog. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. But someone has to say someone had to say it, so yeah, it's dude. I, I think it, calling you a a slight underdog is a massive, massive compliment because, again, compare this team to what you were seeing in November. You weren't thinking about a Champions League final. You were thinking about cracking top four and then maybe beating Atletico. Well, you didn't know you were facing Atletico back in November, but you were thinking of finishing top 4 that like and and maybe getting an FA Cup something like that now you're in the FA Cup final you're pretty likely to finish top 4 in the Premier League and you're going to play the Champions League final this is a completely different team this is a very different team and a team that plays really good a team that is impossible to play against so that's why i don't think Chelsea's as big of an underdog but i I get it. I understand. Uh, sometimes that, well, for the most part, when you're an underdog and you win, it it's that much sweeter. So, I'll give you that one, Chris. I'll I'll, yeah. I'll give you that one. I don't know, man. Pep Guardiola is so scary. Like his teams are so, <laughs> his teams are so like robotic. Like they be scoring like three, four a game. I mean, I know they didn't put three, four past PSG, but they just look at how they made them look. Like they just so good so it's like it's it's even as a Chelsea fan like I know my heart is going to tell me yeah we're going to win this final but my brain is like yeah we're definitely underdogs because look at them 
Like they also, I know we have a blend of experience and youth, but Phil Foden, I know we have Mason Mount, but Phil Foden can say anything just just like Mason Mount right now. Like they look amazing. So it's just going to be a great game and that's what I'm looking forward to. But yeah, man, they're scary. They're definitely scary. Well, that's a perfect segue into what I'm about to say. What I loved was Manchester City because... A lot of the reasons that, that you mentioned already. Pep Guardiola, one of my favorite managers of all time. Um, those first 45 minutes in the first leg were, were a little shaky. Let, let's, let's be honest. We thought that maybe we were going to be right. But then they capitalized on those mistakes from Keylor Navas when, and, and in the free kick when Kimpembe and Paredes opened up in the wall. Why, <laughs> why are you... Why are you standing in the wall if you're going to open up and let the ball pass right by you? That's a different story. But what Manchester City does with the false nine is a thing of absolute beauty. Yeah, They're very cool. deceiving. They, they don't have a real reference up top. They don't have one. And what do you do when you're a defender? You can't do anything because you're like, okay, I'm going to mark Kevin De Bruyne because he's the one that is being marked as the number nine. And, and I'll just take care of him. Oh, Phil Foden's running past me. Oh, man. Oh, wait, Riyad Mahrez. Oh, look, Bernardo Silva is just joining the attack. Oh, uh, what? John Stones, what is he doing up here? Wait, Bru- it's, it's impossible to defend against that. So what they do with that false nine, beautiful. I love it. It's, it's a philosophy that, that Pep Guardiola has, has brought with him to, to Munich and now to Manchester. And it's worked wonders in Manchester and then in the second leg when they when I see the the starting 11 and I see a 4-4-2 and not a single striker in that starting 11 I'm like oh my goodness what's going on here I want to watch I really want to watch and what they did in that second leg it wasn't a trademark Manchester City performance but they defended very well they Played the long ball very effectively and efficiently. That pass from Ederson to Zinchenko for the first goal? Are you kidding me? People don't talk about Ederson as a world-class shot stopper. But he is literally an 11th player in the sense of his ability to play with his feet. That ball was pinpoint perfect. It was beautiful. And then Zinchenko to De Bruyne. A couple deflections here and there. Riyad is there to finish the play that entire back line in that in that second leg that entire back line was unbelievable Ruben Diaz defending with every part of his body he he defended some with his face he had a lot of clearances with with headers unbelievable unbelievable if I was a Manchester City fan I'd be buying a Ruben Diaz jersey right now if I didn't have one already Zinchenko I mentioned him right now but what Zinchenko brings to this team is an excellent work rate, good defending, and he is a pest for opposition defenses when he is attacking. He is an absolute pest. It must be annoying to play against him. I'm not a big Zinchenko guy. Never was. I don't think I ever will be. But the way that he played against PSG showed me everything I had to see. That's why he gets picked over Benjamin Mendy even when Mendy is fully healthy. That's exactly why, because those are things that Mendy can't do. That work rate from Zinchenko, 
running up and down that left flank. You're not going to get that from Mendy. Zinchenko does that, and it is it is quite beautiful to watch this entire team. We talked about Phil Foden. My goodness, Phil Foden. If Listen, if Pep Guardiola says, this is the most talented player that I have ever worked with, that says something. I think that says something. Phil Foden, he's the goods, as you like to say, Chris. Um, and just a couple more points before I finish this off. That that leadership, that 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 control of emotions that Manchester City had throughout this entire tie, it showed that they were the ones that were supposed to go through because we talked about PSG a few minutes ago and how they didn't control their emotions, they were very erratic, and they didn't necessarily behave as good as they should have. They didn't behave to the standards that, that, that they should have. How about Fernandinho telling his, his teammates, I think it might have been Sinchenko too, telling him, hey, we have a final to play. Relax. That's what you need in these types of games when the opposition is trying to knock you off your game and they're trying to, to make you fall into a trap. You got to say, no, 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 no. Relax. We have a final to play. This nonsense has to stop. We'll ignore it. We're going to prepare for a final and we need every single one of our guys to be there we don't want them to be suspended or injured. They have to be there. And one one final point, um, Manchester City just controlled in every aspect of this of this game. They controlled everything. Again, their emotions, defensively, in, in attack, they controlled the movements, everything. Everything. They are the deserved finalist, as is Chelsea. So we're gonna have an excellent, excellent Champions League final. Or so I hope. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, like I said, like you said, so so we hope Manchester City can put any team to the sword. But I hope we, I hope we, uh, I hope we rise to the occasion once more, man. We can do it. We got that magic. I feel it just like last time. But uh, yeah, like you said, Manchester City, they they knock PSG off. They they deserve winner of that tie. That defense looks stout. Ruben Diaz is the goods. Uh, John Stones. Uh, he's, he's come good as well. He looked like a flop at Manchester City, and he looks like a man reborn next to Diaz. And they they they're tough to stop, man. It's gonna take a real big effort, real real big. Absolutely. And I want to ask you one last thing before we finish this this segment off. Is this the best final we could have gotten from the four semifinalists? I mean. It, PSG is a different animal with Mbappe healthy. Yeah. So I think that I I, I hated that he was that he was hurt. I was, I would have loved to have seen him against Manchester City, but Manchester City also looked that good, man. Like if Mbappe scored maybe one or two more, maybe who knows? But I don't know, man. Manchester City looks really good, and Real Madrid for. That's it. I I hope I don't offend anybody when I say Real Madrid aren't at the level that we're used to. I just think that's that's common. That's you can see that to the naked eye. They're just not where they're at, where they used to be. But them going against a, a really a team of that quality, like a Manchester City, that's really going to make you pay. Because Chelsea, for the I mean, we 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 beat them, but we we didn't finish all our chances. Manchester City will put six, seven, eight past you, dude. So like yeah. I, I don't want to see that, I, especially in the final. Like I want to see a great game and Chelsea. I feel like we can do it to them. We have we're barely letting any goals in. I think Rudiger, no Ru, Rudiger, Thiago Silva, and and Christensen 
That's the back three that Tuchel played in against Real Madrid in the second leg. Those three guys know that they're playing a back leg. Uh, about sorry, a back leg. Uh, a false nine. You know, in a one-legged tie. I think they're gonna really, really try to bully those those false nines. Those, the, they think they're really gonna be up for it, and it's gonna be a great game. So, yeah, I think that's like you said, it's definitely the best tie that we could get out of those four. Absolutely. I think that it is the best stylistic matchup that, that we could have gotten because, yeah. um, of course, we can go with, with the narrative and imagine Manchester City against Real Madrid, Pep Guardiola against his most hated rival, and if he were to beat them in the final or vice versa, we know that the world would absolutely explode. But uh, we have a, a very intriguing Champions League final coming up at the end of this month, um, and we have a quote-unquote rehearsal this Saturday because Manchester City and Chelsea do face off in the Premier League so we will see how that one plays out and we will see how the Champions League final plays out all right let's move on let's uh let's kind of stay in the Premier League but now we're going to talk about one specific player let's talk about Harry Kane there's been a lot of speculation that Harry Kane is on the move if that's the case about time um <laughs> I mean, what more does Harry Kane have to do Poor guy. for uh, for Tottenham? For Tottenham to say, all right, we're going to bring you as all of this help. I mean, we, we can go into the transfer saga with, with Tottenham and, and how many flops Tottenham has actually had. But let's talk about Harry Kane. Do you realistically think Harry Kane is going to leave Tottenham this summer? Oh man, I don't realistically. I don't know if he will. I think he should though. And yeah. the reason why I say I don't know is because Daniel Levy is such a, a stubborn negotiator. And I saw, I, I was a Chelsea fan when we tried to get Luka Modric like ten years ago, mm -hmm. and he promised him if a certain fee was met, we he would go, and that fee was exceeded, and he said no way. Like Daniel Levy is just such a tough guy to negotiate with so I'll, I I generally don't know but if he's ever going to sell Harry Kane I think right now is the time Tottenham are in 7th I, I believe 7th or 8th most of the team needs replenishing you can still get a really big fee for Harry, Harry Kane you can use, if you use it wisely you can replenish the team and have a really young exciting squad I mean why Man, I just don't know. I just don't know if his pride will let him, but he should. He has to go. There's no other way around it. He absolutely has to go. What What can Tottenham fans tell Harry Kane? What What are they going to say? If anything, I'm sure Tottenham fans are going to be like, it's all right, Harry, we understand. Go on. Go win titles. Go to a better club. Thank you for everything that you did. What else can you tell Harry Kane? I mean, this guy has put his body on the line for Tottenham, and what's the best that he has gotten in return? A second place finish in the in in the Premier League like six years ago, uh, a Champions League final in which Tottenham displayed very pathetic football. I mean, that's the best that you can give, arguably the best striker in your history. Harry Kane absolutely has to go. He 100% has to go. But 
you bring in some very important points where maybe Daniel Levy won't let him go as easy as as Harry Kane would like to. And Harry Kane just doesn't look as like the guy that will push the buttons and sit out for a season if he has to. Uh, he, he doesn't look like that type of guy, um, especially when there's a World Cup coming around in, in about a year or so. So Harry Kane has to go, but there's a lot of factors, and it's not as easy as it may be. Let me ask you this, Chris. Let's say Harry Kane announces that he is leaving Tottenham this summer. Where do you think he should go? Where, wh- what team do you think makes the most sense for him to land? So there's three teams, but one of them, just off the bat, there's no chance. I think in my head, there's no way he goes. Because mm-hmm. Daniel Levy is going to say no right off the bat. And that's my club. That's Chelsea. Because mm-hmm. we need a, a striker who just knocks him in. That's literally what we need. to. Uh, we're a striker away from completing Thanos' gauntlet, essentially, because... We're damn near there now, but there's no. I think there's no way Daniel Levy, if he admits to himself that he has to let him go, I think there's no way he lets him go to a cross-town rival that he's gonna just see him shine and win the titles that Tottenham would be in contention for. Just I can't see that happening. Uh, the one, the other club that I would in England that I would say he's definitely a possibility. And this one I can probably, if he is going to move, I think this is probably the one where he is probably going to go to is Manchester City. I think it's per, I think it's perfect for him, honestly. They they they, they need the, the Aguero's uh, Aguero's replacement because Aguero announced he's going to leave the club. They play a false nine, but Harry drops in deep and and mixes up very effectively and assists a lot of players at Tottenham. So. He, Oh my God! What he would do at Manchester City and Pep Guardiola's system would be absolute magic. I agree one hundred percent because that that was like my my main destination for Harry Kane. Yeah, if he City. is gonna move, that's the one. Like, oh my God! And he, and that's my rival. Like, that's our rival. Play, we're playing against them in the league. That's gonna be our rival in the Premier League and the end in the Champions League. That transfer is like perfect. Like, that yeah. has to happen. <laughs> That has to happen. Like that's the one. And if he, if I would say, if he's gonna leave England, if if Daniel Levy says okay, he has to leave, and if he's gonna leave, if he has to leave England, Barcelona. I don't know about that. I listen. Barcelona needs a nine. They need a nine. Only, um, only because Messi's still there. Yeah. So I think that's, if he if he is if since Real Madrid is so weak and Atletico Madrid is giving away the league, if he goes there with Messi, they're probably going to win titles. Yeah. Because even yeah. if, maybe if it's one Champions League, but he's definitely going to win Liga titles. And at least at this point, Harry Kane will win a freaking participation trophy and be happy. So <laughs> that's true. Oh, poor Harry Kane. Um, yeah. I I agree 100% with what you said with Manchester City. That's the best destination for him. Pep Guardiola would make him into the best striker in the world, um, into the best false nine and the best attacking midfielder, into the best everything. He'll use him as, as everything. And, and the, that's the thing with Harry Kane that opens up a lot of doors for him is that he's not one of those static statue number nines where he just stays in the box and doesn't do much. He, he'll drop back and assist. He doesn't care. He, he wants to get his hands dirty. So he gets it done. Harry Kane gets it done like that. But, I mean, 
Could be bluff. Pep Guardiola keeps saying that they're not going to get a number nine. They can't afford one. Then next thing you know, Harry Kane breaks the record for the most expensive transfer in Manchester City history. Um, but yeah. Um, and you did mention something very, very interesting with him, with Harry Kane maybe moving abroad. Five years ago, Real Madrid was was the destination for Harry Kane. Yeah. But now you look at Real Madrid's situation and you look at Harry Kane's situation and to me it just doesn't feel like a natural match. It yeah. feels like Jose Mourinho and Tottenham where it was kind of forced. But um, Real Madrid would have been a very interesting option for him. Of course, Barcelona. I would love to see him in Barcelona. But again, I don't think Barcelona can afford him and I don't think Messi would want a guy that doesn't speak Spanish because he wants to communicate. You know, yeah. Messi... Messi's a little special. Let's just put it that way. Um, so, yeah, I, I know it might be a stupid reason that I just mentioned, but, I mean, if Messi stays, I, I think Messi will rather have Aguero play with him than, than Harry Kane. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Harry Kane, hopefully he's on the move, and hopefully he's not the next Alan Shearer, because if he is, that would be tragic. I mean, not not in the sense of the loyalty that he showed to one club, but in the sense that he just didn't win anything collectively. And that of course would, would be, would be very, very sad. But Harry Kane will, will keep monitoring, monitoring it. What am I saying? Excuse me. <laughs> monitoring this situation with Harry Kane, the captain of the English national team and of Tottenham as well. All right. I want to present this new segment called stoppage time. We have five minutes to talk about a certain topic, and this week's topic is going to be Jose Mourinho going back to the Serie A, going back to Italy. He will be managing Roma for three years. That's his contract, at least, uh, in case you guys have been living under a rock. Jose Mourinho is back in Italy. I'm going to set the clock right now. I don't know. I think you guys are going to see more fingerprints on the actual screen. Five minutes. And Chris, we're live. Thoughts, initial thoughts on Jose Mourinho going to Rome. I think it's perfect. I think he's at a club that has a lot of history, that club that's an underdog. And I think if you if you sit there and think who's the biggest star at AC at AS Roma, it's Jose Mourinho. <laughs> it's Jose yes. Mourinho. <laughs> so if you think he he's, he has a, he has a club where he's gonna restore prestige, he's at a club that plays in Rome and they have a, a fierce fan base, and and it's, it's a really historical club. It's a beautiful club, and it's a it's a a competition that he knows well, and they don't really care how you win. So he can play with eight defenders if he wants, and then stick his number nine out there and win one zero games all season long. If he gets that Serie A title, he's back. He's back in the big time. Yeah, that's that's the thing with Italy that, that Jose Mourinho fits in very, very easily because you don't have to play beautiful. You just have to win. And the thing also with this appointment by, by Roma is that Roma isn't necessarily a Scudetto favorite right off the bat. You look at at the end of this season, beginning of next season, who are the favorites? Inter, because they just won it. 
Juventus because they're Juventus. AC Milan because they were competing throughout the entire season. Napoli as well, you can put them in the mix. Maybe even Atalanta. Roma is like, if you make it to the Europa League, cool. But let's just say, for example, Jose Mourinho in his first season finishes, I don't know, third. I think third qualifies you directly to the Champions League in Italy. Or let's just say second. Second. Let's say he finishes second in the Serie A in, in his first season. It's going to be a massive success. Getting Roma back to the Champions League, that's huge. That's huge. And the expectations aren't big for Roma. So, so that's something that, that Jose Mourinho has in his favor. And also, let's be honest. Italy might be the only place, the only big or the Serie A might be the only big league in which Jose Mourinho's reputation isn't completely tarnished. Because in the Bundesliga, he would probably never fit. He's burned his bridges in Spain, in England. Um, where else has he managed besides... No, well, just Spain and England. Um, Italy is the only place where Jose Mourinho is still, still has an intact reputation. What's your last memory of Jose Mourinho in Italy? Winning a treble. That's the last memory that you have of Jose. So he, he did very well in moving on to, to Roma and going to a place where his reputation is still intact. We have two minutes. I'm going to ask you this. Is this the perfect marriage, Roma and Mourinho? I believe so. They have new owners. They have a, a Portuguese technical director. Not that the nationality matters, but they speak the same football language Mourinho said. So it, it just seems like it's a good fit. He says that they, they had one meeting and he was sold on the vis, on the vision of AC Roma, on AS Roma and the the owners and the and the director. So it really does seem like it, it's a it's a great project for him. They 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 won't move on too quickly because they just have Fonseca and it didn't look too well and they're gonna let him play out his contract. So I think with Mourinho, I think it's, it's he has three cracks at a Serie A title. And say, say he doesn't even get it. Like you said, he, he gets into second in one of those three seasons. He's going to be a hero. He's going to be a village hero there. So perfect, perfect union for him. If he, get, if he wins one title with them, he's back in the big time and he'll be in contention for the next big job in, in Europe. So he know, I think it was a perfect, perfect play by his agent, uh, Jorge Mendes. I think it was perfect. Jorge Mendes. Always, always in the limelight and always winning. I'll take the last 45 seconds. This is the perfect marriage for all the reasons that, that I mentioned and that we mentioned. His, his reputation is still there. And and yes, I mean, he he really only needs to to finish in Champions League spots to be, to be considered a top manager again. I honestly thought that Jose Mourinho was going to go into a national team. I thought he was going to go in, yeah. in, in into a national team job, and he didn't. He he still is willing to work that that everyday type of 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 job. And Jose Mourinho, he said it. He's never out of it. Five more seconds. <laughs> he's never out of it. And Jose Mourinho proved it one more time that he is not out of it. There we go. All right. Um, that'll do it for our episode. Wow, this was a a. This was an episode that we prepared an entire week because, of course, we had the Champions League semifinals and all of that. Um, this was fun, Chris. We'll be back at our scheduled uh, at our scheduled time on our on our scheduled date. Um, but yeah, that'll do it, Chris. Um, final thoughts on on the Champions League semifinals and, of course, your social media plug away. 
Uh, my social media is Chris, S-O-L-O-D-O-L-O underscore. And my final thoughts on the semifinal is the two deserved teams went through. And it's going to be a beautiful final that, we're, we're, that, that for every football fan. I hope everybody watches. I hope everybody can enjoy without any tribalism, you know, and enjoy it because it's going to be a beautiful, beautiful match. Chelsea are playing their socks off. They know how to win, play and win big games. Every game in the Premier League is a big game. So that's why, you, like you said, you, you were surprised with their poise. I think these guys know how to win. And Tuchel got got a right formula. So that was against Pep Guardiola's genius with Phil Foden and Ria Mares and uh, De Bruyne. Oh, my God. We are in for a treat. So everybody enjoy. It's going to be beautiful. Absolutely. And once we are getting closer to the Champions League final, we will have uh, an episode dedicated to preview the final. I, I will work on having some guests on see what they have to say so you guys don't only hear Chris's point of view, my point of view. We hear many people's different perspectives and the way that they look at the game because it's always nice. And then you guys get to form your own opinion and we all get to enjoy the game. Thank you, Chris. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Alex Perez FC. Follow the show at Total Foot Club on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, we have the, the segments that we upload and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, rate it, review it on Apple Podcasts. That helps us go a long way. The love that we've been receiving on Instagram, very, very cool. We definitely appreciate that. We will keep that going. But for now, that'll do it. We'll see you all next week because we have Barcelona and Atletico Madrid this weekend. Hope you all enjoy that. Potentially the title decider in Spain. Could very well be that. But as of right now, we will go. We'll get some rest and we'll prepare for this weekend. We'll see you all next week. Thank you. Take care and goodbye.